coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 27th of March, 2022. Bearing Fruit. As most of you know, last week we were in John 15, and we dealt with the concept of abiding. That's one of the principal words that I said that we would point out the other one has to do with fruit bearing, being fruitful, and that's our theme for today. I want you to open up your Bibles for a moment, if you haven't yet, and look at the passage, and I want to point out something that I didn't point out last week, but I thought it would be a good introduction for our time to together today. We remember that Jesus is talking with disciples. At the end of chapter 14, Jesus said, Rise, let us go from here. We call this the upper room discourse, but if Jesus really did get up at this point, then he was probably talking to his disciples on their way to the garden for him to pray. So as he's sharing these things, they're brought up to memory as John records them for us, but probably were on the road as they were moving and he was talking. He talks about being the true vine. And I want you to pay particular attention to what he does as he goes through this passage. In verse two, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that, may, that it may bring more fruit. And then he changes, and he begins talking to the disciples specifically. He says, already you are clean, because of the word that I have spoken. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch can't bear fruit in itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you, you can do nothing. And then notice this, in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burn. He didn't say you. When he goes to the next verse, he says, if you abide in me, and he's back to talking to his disciples. So I want you to note that change in verse six, because last week we were talking and saying, what about fake branches that turn and they're taken and burned? He doesn't say that was true of any of his disciples. He says that is true of a branch that doesn't bear fruit. Last week we said that was a picture of a person who followed Christ, but wasn't really a disciple of Christ in the genuine sense of having followed him and now abiding in him. John puts it this way in his epistle, 1 John chapter 2. 
Whoever says, I know him, but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and the truth isn't in him. Forever, for whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And this is part of that whole abiding concept. Now, by the time we get to this section in the Gospel of John, John has already recorded for us seven, including this one, seven IMs of Jesus Christ. And I want you to pay attention as I quickly just list these to see how Jesus talks about his interaction with his followers. First of all, in John 6, he said, I was the, I am the bread of life. And he talks about that as being life-sustaining. In John chapter 8, he talks about being the light of the world, where we can go back into um, the book of Psalms and talks about illuminating our path, showing the direction in which we're to go. In verse, in chapter 10, Jesus talks about, I am the gate of the sheepfold. And there he talks about security. The person who sat in the opening of the sheepfold was the shepherd. <laughs> he, he then protected the, fleet, the sheep. And there's a picture of our security. In that same chapter, he talks about being that good shepherd and there's that tender care. We could go back to Psalm 23 and sort of revel in that passage. In John 11, in the context of Lazarus being raised back to life, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And there he underscores, I'm the source of hope. He goes on and this, in, in this upper room discourse, and we saw in John 14, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the one that gives true direction to life. And then here, he talks about being the true vine. And here we have the concept of fruitfulness. And so his disciples had been there with him, hearing these great I am's that are recorded in the Gospel of John. And John just sort of underscores, do you see what you have in Christ? Do you see what you have in Christ? And when we come to this passage, we not only have fruitfulness, I believe this of all the descriptive terms, this is the one that speaks of intimacy. Must be connected to the vine. You are the branch. I am the vine. The point is this. The branch and its fruit will be of the same character and the same nature of the vine. Did you get that? The branch of necessity will be of the same character and nature as the vine. Can't be anything else. Why? Because they draw life from the vine. 
No grapes are, are, are grown on a branch that's disconnected to the vine. It doesn't happen. And there's no life in the branch if it's disconnected from the vine. It is life-giving, life-sustaining, the vine is. And so we draw those things from the vine. So we're speaking now of true disciples. True disciples who are connected, as we said. First, Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. And now he says, and abide. And remember we said last week, that word abide literally means remain. Stay connected to the vine. It's the only way that the branch is going to draw its life, and it's the only way that it can possibly be fruitful. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. So we're going to see two kinds of fruitfulness. First of all, internal, and then external. Internal, we have the attributes of God in us, personally transformational. Personally transformational. In other words, as we draw life from the vine and we are the branches, that life that's flowing in and through us is going to change us. It's said in different ways in Scripture. It says uh, you are a new creation in Christ. It's going to be something completely different than what it was. But the first work of our relationship to the vine is going to be internal. Paul writes in Philippians, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless before the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. In other words, we're going to draw that righteous life from the vine and being connected to it. We're well familiar with Galatians chapter 5. If I didn't go here, I would probably have rebellion in the ranks. But it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And what he's speaking about is the transformational work of the life of Christ flowing in the life of In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There's going to be a process where we're excising the old and inputting the new as we draw from the vine. But it's interesting, he says, that you bear fruit. And then he talks about, in John 15 too, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bring forth 
more fruit. He isn't satisfied with just some fruit. He wants more fruit. In Hebrews chapter 12, we get a glimpse of how this works. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 through 11, it says, Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good that we may what? Share in his holiness. There's a transformational work going on in the life of a believer as he draws his life from Christ. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than present. Can we get an amen? Right. Amen. And rather, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. But he isn't done there. In John 15, 8, he says, I don't want just more fruit. He says, I want much fruit. Much fruit. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. God desires for us to be fruitfulness, be fruitful, and part of that fruitfulness is internal, the transforming work that God is doing in us, inputting into us the spiritual life that can only be drawn from him. Can't come from any place else. He says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You say, well, I can do a lot of things without Christ. There's a lot of people out here. No, not spiritually we can't. A spiritual life has to come from a spiritual source. And Jesus said, I am that vine. So at this point, as we look at this passage, it becomes, well, to me, very, very encouraging. Very encouraging. Because he's saying, your responsibility is just keep sucking that life. <laughs> keep getting that from Christ. And as, as you do, as that spiritual life flows into you, it's going to have a transforming work in you. And then also, there's going to be an external fruitfulness. And we come to that point. The attributes of God and us then will be expressively impactful. In other words, there might be others who see in us the spiritual qualities of that internal change. And we're manifesting some of those things like the fruit of the spirit and we have character qualities that are in line with the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. Others are gonna notice, but I don't think it stops there. I think that it goes on beyond this to see something that impacts them as well. Matthew 7, 16 says, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, figs from thistles? The answer is no. Where do you get grapes? Come from the grapevine. 
How does the grapevine grow them? Because the branches which produce the grapes are connected to the vine. You cut the, you cut the branch off, you get nothing. But he says, you're going to recognize the fruit. It's going to be of the same character and the nature of the vine. That's how you're going to know. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of how I believe this works out in the life of a believer as the internal changes are happening in the branch. There's also going to be fruitfulness, not only observed in the changes, but also expressly worked out in the lives of others. The first one is a commandment that Jesus Christ gave to his disciples. He says, I want you to make disciples. That's what I want you to do. If you're connected to me, one of the things that should come in and through your life is that you make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, we're well familiar with the Great Commission passage there. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we see part of that process then of this life flowing in and through us is fruitfulness in the making of disciples. And it has two subsets, if you will. One, birthing. That's where he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the culmination of the process we would call evangelism, probably a poor term, but, but gospeling the gospel, I like that, calling people to repentance, calling them to be followers of Christ just the same way we came down that road, and, and then to invite them to abide in Christ. That's what we're about. Listen to what he says in, as Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then has given us to the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, just like he didn't count our trespasses against us, and entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. I don't know about you, that jazzes me. Why? He says, the infinite God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, could have put out the gospel any myriad of ways. He could have skywriting by shaping the clouds. Four spiritual laws up there. <laughs> no. He didn't do that. What he did? He infused life into the branches and says, now 
I want you to be part of the process of producing fruit. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you, as Paul turns it around, he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So in one, one sentence, he says, he has given us the, the ministry of reconciliation. And then Paul goes and, and says just exactly what that is. We implore you, be reconciled to God. For our sakes, he has made himself to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God has given us a role in birthing as ministers of reconciliation. We're not done, because that's not all of what discipleship and disciple-making is about. It's also about growing. That we have the role as the life of Christ flows in and through us as branches to produce fruit. And in that fruit, it's not only new peoples coming to Christ, it is also those who have come to Christ growing in Christ. And so we had birthing, now we have growing. Growing, equipping the saints. Again, we go to some heartbeat passages. In Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about, and just, this is a little bit longer section, but I want you to listen to the thrust of this as he talks about the equipping of the saints, the, the, the settling of the saints, and our role in interacting with, in all that. And he says, and he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Did you notice that? He didn't say, he gave some apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers for the work of the ministry. He said, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, every believer has a role in equipping other believers in this matter of faith. He says, until we all attain into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here he's using a different picture of than the vine and the branches, but he's talking about is a person growing up and maturing in Christ. And he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He says, we're in a world that's not for us, but against us. And he says, what we need is one another to steady on and, and remain and abide and to, be, and to grow and to help others to grow. He says, rather, instead of every wind of doctrine and human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes, 
Rather, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, even in Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and handled together by every joint which is equipped, that each part is working properly, the body grows so that it builds itself up in love. You catch the picture? You got the vine over here. It is a pure life in Christ. And the branch is attached to it. And the branch is drawing life from that vine. And it's being transformed. And as it's transformed, it is also given a task of producing fruit that touches the lives of others. And he says, we are in the process of growing, having also been involved in the task of birthing, seeing people reconciled to God. But usually when we think of fruit, we're not thinking of that. Maybe the evangelism part, we might think of that. But how about meeting the needs of others? As we were saying in Sunday school, part of the role of believers is to meet the needs, not only just the people at large, but the church within. We're using the illustration, and of course it's on our doorsteps in the news right now, we see what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. There's been a lot of calls for, let's get some aid over to Ukraine. Uh, regardless of how you perceive the war, we know that there are people who are hurting and they need supplies and they need care and they need food and they need all those kind of things. And some of them have left the country to escape all the warfare and they're into other countries and and so here they came with maybe just a suitcase or whatever they had on their back and they need something john says especially what we need to do is be caring for the needs and especially of the believers listen to what he says in first john chapter 3 verse 17 meeting the needs of others. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? He says, how can you say, I'm connected to the vine? And you look around and here is a, a brother or sister in Christ who has a need and you go, But you got, do you have the resources? Yeah. Do you see a need? Yeah. Yeah. He says, how can you say that, you're, that God's love is abiding in you and flowing through you when the expression ought to be to meet that need? We've used a phrase around here before, see a need, meet a need. If you see something, do it. We put that, we turned it upside down in our Sunday school class this morning. We say, if you have a need, ask for, for help. 
it's not, it doesn't flow quite as well, but it's the same idea. If you don't get the care from the church, you ought to make a, a, a louder, louder request of it. Do it until somebody greases that squeaky wheel. And you say, well, they should see and they should know. Well, sometimes they're not that observant. But if you have need, where else are you going to go? If you need to have a spiritual need, where are you going to get it except from the body of Christ? So speak up. Get in somebody's face if you have to. And say, really, I could use some help. John says, that's part of what the vine wants us to do as branches is to meet needs. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Have you ever noticed that most of the time when somebody comes to you looking for some help, it is inconvenient? Have you noticed that? You know, I just love... We were getting ready for Sunday school this morning. Gal came down the hall. It's Sunday school time. Come on now. But she had a need. How inconvenient. Don't she know that we have a Sunday school class? May I speak to the pastor, please? Well, pastor's got to teach the class. Come on now. It's not convenient. Needed some help with some lodging. Her car broke down. It's usually going to, if we meet a need, it's going to be costly as far as time and resources. That's okay. We see a need, best we can, meet the need. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have. Such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I don't say it to magnify myself. I just say it because God has a good sense of humor and puts sermon illustrations right in our path. We could have said, don't bother us. We got stuff to do. I said, can we, can we do it after the services? Get over to the motel? No. It's be paid by noon or I'm out. So, over there between Sunday school and church, get the bill paid for so the person could stay there. Was it convenient? No. Did it cost something? Yes. But we have it within our capability to do it. Neglect not to do good. Well, meeting the needs of others is one way that we bear fruit. One way that we demonstrate that life that is flowing through us. There's another one here. It said that's praising God. One way that we get the word out about the change that's going on in our hearts and life, 
the life that we have drawn from, from Christ is to vocalize it. Some of you are singers, I know. Some of you are not singers. And you go, Pastor Jim, you just don't want to hear me sing. That's okay. Lip sync. Or just, or just sit there and read the words and meditate on the words as we're, we're singing. But praises as well. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Amen. How good is God? How good that he deigns to let us experience the life that he gives to us. And then there's a big catch-all category here, doing good works, doing good works. And again, while we may put them in the general category to all mankind, Specifically, he says, also to the church of God. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he says, God is able to make all of grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. All the time, be ready to express the life that is in you. So what are the blessings of abiding? Just real quickly, and they're found here back in our passage. We've been talking, number one, fruitfulness. Obviously, that as we abide, we're able to produce changes in us as the life flows in us, and then also to express that to others round about as fruitfulness. In verse 7, listen to what he says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. Answered prayer is one of the products of abiding, one of the blessings of abiding. We talked about praising God, but in verse 8 it says, By this the Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Do you realize that the simple command to abide in Christ and have his life flow through us, which in turn produces godly fruit, also glorifies God. He's the one that came up with this plan. Look at verse 11. We got another one. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be full. One of the blessings of abiding is God's joy in us. Man, is, is it worthwhile to be abiding? Yeah. To remain and draw our life from Christ? Absolutely. 
But there's a negative, and I'll throw this in at the end, just so that we are warned. If we don't abide, if we're a follower of Christ in the sense that we sort of like the things that Christ teaches, but we're not willing to acknowledge him as our Savior and Lord and the need of salvation and have repentance, he says in verse 6, Anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Eternal judgment for those who refuse to follow Christ and abide. That ought to be a wake-up call to everyone. We saw... Last week, when we were looking at the whole idea of abiding, that Judas was a representative of a person who walked and talked with Jesus for three and a half years. He had so faked out the other disciples that when he betrayed Jesus, and Jesus says, go, and Judas was going to go and betray him, they thought Jesus was sending out to give some money, some offering, it was feast time, and that would be appropriate. They never suspected, but there was two people who knew. It was Judas and Jesus. Knew that he was not an abiding branch. And if there's no change in the branch, there can be no fruit. And if there is no Abiding, there is no genuine life. And God says, anyone does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. I don't know where you are spiritually. I can say that I think I know but Judas had all the other disciples fooled. Didn't fool Christ. He was only fooling himself and the others. Didn't fool Christ. May I encourage you to examine yourself. See that you are in Christ. And remain in Christ and draw that life from him. And these benefits will be yours, fruitfulness, answered prayer, glory to the Father, true joy. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. What, while there is a note of warning, Jesus was talking to his disciples primarily at this point, true disciples, true followers, true abiders, and they got to enjoy the life in the sun as branches attached to the vine and producing fruit, not just fruit, more fruit, not just more fruit, much fruit. Heavenly Father, that is our cry as well, that we want to be those who abide and experience fruitfulness. And we give thanks in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ.
Amen.